we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 17th edition of the sunny side of sports. The U.S. men's and women's national soccer teams are preparing to kick off their 2023 seasons. For a preview, we're joined by Stephen Goff, the longtime soccer writer for the Washington Post newspaper. Steve, welcome back to the sunny side of sports. Thanks a lot. Great to be with you. Yes, Steve, uh, the men's and women's national teams uh, for the USA getting ready for uh, some friendly international matches. Uh, Let's begin with the U.S. women. Uh, They're in New Zealand for a couple of friendly matches. Who are some of the players to watch for the American women? You have many of the usuals, uh, veterans from past World Cups, like Alex Morgan, Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, Alyssa Nair, the goalkeeper. Um, and, uh, you know, Mallory Pugh is a young, up-and-coming player who's been part of the team for a few years now. Uh, they are missing a couple in- – uh, they're actually missing a lot of injured players – uh, so this is not the, the full U.S. squad by any means, but still a, a very strong team. The head coach of the American women, Vlatko Andonovsky, he says uh, kind of that the team will get a chance to uh, acclimate to New Zealand. Uh, are, are most of these players in New Zealand for the first time, Steve? I think so. I think that's a fair, uh, a fair statement. Um, you know, the U.S. hasn't played there uh if ever before uh, certainly not recently um you know a lot of them have been to australia uh but not to new zealand um and they'll return to new zealand for the start of the world cup in about six months so this certainly allows for some acclimation um even though you know it's summer there now the world cup's during the winter Um, But, you know, they get used to the travel, they get used to the hotels, the training grounds, the stadiums, everything else. So I I think it's certainly beneficial for everybody. Do you think we'll see a different uh, U.S. women's national soccer team uh, come the Women's World Cup, Steve? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these injured players should be coming back. Some of them next month, some of them a little later. Uh, You know, many of the players on this tour – are expected to be part of the World Cup squad. And then you add in, uh, you know, Andonovsky will take into consideration uh, the players returning from injury or returning from maternity leave in some cases. Um, and, you know, he's got a he's got a pool of players that's probably uh, 35 deep or so. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, a lot happens. Players, players get hurt. Players fall fall out of form with their club teams, um, but you know he's got some opportunities on this trip, some games in February, April, and then he'll he'll set the lineup um, early to mid summer. Steve, a player based uh, here in the Washington area, uh, Trinity Rodman, daughter of uh, former pro basketball star Dennis Rodman, uh, she's on the U.S. roster for these New Zealand friendlies. Uh, 
What, how, how do you see her prospects down the road for the American team? Yeah, she's an up-and-coming player, uh, fantastic athlete. She certainly inherited that from from her father, uh, an exciting player, a player who can score goals, uh, create danger um, in the attack, uh, young player, still internationally inexperienced. So she needs to really make a push over the next few matches for the U.S. team and, and show that she belongs, certainly not guaranteed of a spot on the World Cup team, um, but in the running and, and a favorite um, or one of the favorites uh, to to make the team as uh, as a forward. As we look at the uh, group for the American women, uh, come the Women's World Cup, Steve, uh, do you like their chances of advancing? <laughs> yeah, always. Um, they never have any trouble in group stages of uh, World Cups or Olympics. Uh, this group, the first games against Vietnam, a first-time World Cup participant, uh, the U.S. should breeze through that game. Second one's actually a tough one. It's a rematch of the 2019 final. They're playing the Netherlands. Um, that's a difficult match, and it really should determine who wins the group and is the top seed out of the group. Um, that's a tough one. Um, and then the last game, the, the opponent hasn't been determined yet. They'll come out of a playoff. Most likely it'll be Portugal, which is an okay European team, but not one uh uh, really a, a great threat to the U.S. So, um, yeah, I mean, the U.S. has never never finished worse than third place at a World Cup, uh, which means getting to the semifinal is almost taken for granted. Um, you know, it doesn't mean they're guaranteed getting that far. There are, there are some, some, some dangerous spots along the way. But, um, you know, this is, a, this is a team that's certainly one of the top three favorites probably in the tournament. I'm talking with Stephen Goff, the longtime soccer writer for the Washington Post newspaper. And, Steve, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed your stories from Qatar uh, during the recent Men's World Cup. Uh, maybe some general thoughts on how the USA did in Qatar, Steve. Do you think they, they met their expectations? Yeah, I mean, on paper, they were the second-best team in their group, and they, they did finish in second place and go through. Um, I think there were a lot of bright uh, aspects of their performance. Uh, you know, they, they didn't allow a goal in the run of play in the group stage. Uh, they they um, uh, were, even with England, the heavy favorite, got a draw out of that game and, and certainly had, could have been a position to win that game. Um, and then they had to do, they did what they had to do in the last group match against Iran, and that was a win. They couldn't afford a draw. Uh, they got the victory, um, and they got through to the next round. You know, you're, you're, at a, you're at a point with the U.S. program where you want to see a little bit more. You want to see them go a little bit further. So getting the round to 16 was, uh, I think, was the prerequisite. Um, and I think the round of 16 match against the Netherlands was disappointing. You know, they, they, they made a lot of mistakes uh, you know, things they did in the run of play that uh, we just didn't see them uh, do in the group stage. They just they, they made mistakes that were uncharacteristic of this team. Um, you could blame certainly their youth uh, for those errors, um, but they were, you know, they were really outclassed in the round of 16 against the Netherlands, losing to 3-1. Um, in, that, in that sense, a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, showing that they were on 
uh, even grounds with uh, you know with England and and uh, drawing Wales. Um, I think they're you know overall it was a good World Cup, not a great World Cup. Steve, one of the young players on the U.S. men's national soccer team, uh, Captain Tyler Adams, recently uh, named the 2022 U.S. Soccer Male Player of the Year. How do you rate his performance in Qatar? Yeah, Tyler was fantastic both on and off the field. He showed his leadership uh, both in handling handling the team at such, such a young age. I mean, he was the youngest captain at the World Cup. Um, and he just he just handled himself like someone who was, you know, uh, 10 years older. Um, he came under um, – it was in a tense situation – before the Iran game because of the controversy over the Iranian flag and um, the way it was portrayed on, on U.S. soccer social media. Um, and, uh, you know, just a very mature kid. Um, well, he's not a kid anymore, but he, uh, <laughs> he was tremendous. And on the field, he was fantastic. He, um, uh, you know, he, he guided that team. Uh, he was an anchor that covered a lot of ground. Um, and he showed he's, uh, you know, he is the leader. He is the captain of this team going forward for, for many years to come. Thanks, Steve. That's Stephen Goff, the soccer writer for the Washington Post newspaper. And Steve spoke with us by telephone from the northeastern U.S. state of New Hampshire. And we'll hear more U.S. soccer analysis from Steve later this week. While the U.S. women's national soccer team is in New Zealand for two friendly international matches, the U.S. men will be in Southern California next week for friendlies against Serbia and Colombia. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And you can listen online to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs by going to voaafrica.com. On the next Straight Talk Africa, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen this week embarks on a three-nation tour of the African continent. Secretary Yellen is expected to highlight the White House's work to deepen U.S.-Africa economic ties. We'll also discuss the growing concern over the handling of classified government files by President Joe Biden and his predecessor, Donald Trump. Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. In African men's football, Cameroon beat Congo Brazzaville Monday 1-0 and Mali and Angola drew 3-all at the African Nations Championship Tournament for home-based players in Algeria. Jerome Mbekele, who plays for the Cameroonian club Colombe, scored on a header in the 63rd minute to lift Cameroon to victory. And in the other match, Mali rallied from a 3-1 second-half deficit to equalize on goals by Yoro Diaby and Usman Koulibaly four minutes apart. Diaby was named the man of the match, and afterwards he said, and I quote, 
I am glad to have received this award, but I must thank my teammates who worked tirelessly in this game to ensure this result. I received it on their behalf. The African Nations Championship will continue through February 4th when a new champion will be crowned at the Nelson Mandela Stadium in Algiers. Morocco has won the past two trophies, but the Moroccans withdrew right before the tournament kicked off due to travel issues with host Algeria. Sporty greetings. This is Sunday Olise, former captain and coach of the Super Eagles of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. English Premier League football action resumes Wednesday when Crystal Palace will host Manchester United. Man U is currently fourth on the EPL table with 38 points, nine points behind front-running Arsenal, and Crystal Palace is 12th on the table with 22 points. Man U is coming off a big 2-1 victory over Manchester City, as we hear now from the AP's Dave Ferry. Manchester United scored the last two goals in a 2-1 victory over Manchester City. Jack Grealish came off the bench to put City ahead in the 60th minute, but United stormed back on goals by Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford four minutes apart, making it 2-1 in the 82nd. Rashford has eight goals in his last seven games and 16 this season. United has won nine straight in all competitions. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In American-style professional football, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys got the better of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the National Football League playoffs. The Cowboys beat the Buccaneers Monday night 31-14 in Tampa, Florida. Prescott threw four touchdown passes. After the first two possessions, I mean, without them going to do what they do, creating those three and outs and just giving us the ball right back, uh, it could be a different story. So, I mean, as you said, complimentary football. Um, and that's the way it's been when this team is on fire. Um, and when this team is on, they make stops. We go and turn into the points. And I uh, just got to continue to build off of that. And uh, when we're able to do that, tough team to beat. Meanwhile, Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy praised Prescott. He's so consistent in everything he does and you know like i said we had we had a couple plays there early but i mean he, he was he was on it the, the rest of the the rest of the evening i you know i i thought it was you know kellen and you know the play calling we we just really stayed true to 
what we wanted to do in here. And, and like I said, I, I thought he played extremely well. National Football League fans are wondering whether this was the final game for Tampa Bay's star quarterback, 45-year-old Tom Brady. Brady is eligible for free agency in the offseason. The legendary quarterback turns 46 years old in August, and he's not said whether he'll continue playing after retiring and then unretiring last offseason. Brady says the Cowboys earn the win. They played pretty good. You know, they played good defensively and put a lot of pressure on us, and we just couldn't make enough plays. So it's kind of typical the way we played all year, just inefficient in the passing game and not very good in the run game. So, uh, you know, it's hard to be good teams like that. And while Tom Brady's football future is not clear, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys advance to a divisional round playoff matchup with the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday in Santa Clara, California. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voa or on Twitter at voa. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Carol. Turning to tennis, the action is heating up literally and figuratively at the Australian Open. Craig Gabriel reports on Tuesday's action in Melbourne. The city of Melbourne has a reputation of having four seasons in a day, and people say, well, if you don't like the weather conditions at the time, wait ten minutes and it'll change. Well, it lived up to that. Early in the day, it was so incredibly hot that the heat rule was enacted and play was suspended on the outside courts at the Australian Open. Other courts continued because they had retractable roofs. That suspension lasted about three hours, but then it started to rain just as temperatures started to subside a bit and play was stopped a few times total frustration. Still, matches did happen and the winner of the day had to be 35-year-old Andy Murray and his metal hip. This was an incredible performance as he beat 13 seed Matteo Berrettini 6-3-6-3-4-6-6-7-7-6. To see Murray doing what he did in this match was truly remarkable because it was only about five years ago when he was talking retirement because of his hip. He said before the match that he believed he was in a better place this time against Berrettini than when he lost to the Italian at the U.S. Open, and Andy allowed himself a pat on the back. 
I'm really proud of how I, you know, how I, how I fought through that match. The, the tie break um, at the end, I thought I was impressed with myself, um, <laughs> which again is not something that you know I'm hard on myself usually. But yeah, tonight I need to, yeah, I need to give myself some credit. Alexander Zverev also won in five sets, and that was his first win in an official match since the quarterfinals of the French Open. Novak Djokovic was given a warm reception for his first Australian Open match since the 2021 final in Melbourne. He beat Roberto Caballas Baena. Ons Jabir, the second seed, needed three sets to advance. Uh, it was a tough match, honestly, just not the way I wanted to play, but I, I kept fighting and just frustrating to lose the second set. But uh, I think uh, I got the time to think and, and talk to myself more, and uh, he, the third set was really great. I just uh, tried to to think, you know, and uh, do something better and just... Just give it all, not leave anything behind. And that, that was the case for the third set for me. But there were no issues for Belinda Bencic or Arina Sabalenka. Andrei Rublev overcame his good friend Dominique Thiem, the 2020 finalist and former U.S. Open champion. And Elise Mertens beat Garbine Mururutha 6-1 in the third. Also scoring wins with Taylor Fritz and Alex Dimonor, who says his 2023 mantra is to sing, don't worry, be happy, let me tell you about a song I wrote. Well, on that note, Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Melbourne. Here's a song Bobby McFerrin wrote. We'll let Bobby sing it for you note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Sing it for me now, Bobby. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Every life we have some trouble but When you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Don't worry Be happy The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't litigate. Don't litigate. (laughs) Be happy. happy. Look at me, I'm happy. Be happy. 
when your worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. The 2023 World Athletics Championships will be held from August 19th to August 27th in Budapest, Hungary. Two athletes who will be in the spotlight in Budapest are Mondo Duplantis of Sweden and Sydney McLaughlin Lavroni of the USA. The world record breakers and world record holders were named the World Athletes of the Year for 2022. VOA's Gwen Uten tells us more. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. Mondo Duplantis has been named World Athlete of the Year twice, first in 2020 and now in 2022. Duplantis currently holds the world record in the men's pole vault with a height of 20 feet, four and a half inches, a record he set in September 2022, just months after clinching the world championship title. Duplantis has literally set the bar high and following his gold medal performance at the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo, he told Reuters News competing on the Olympic stage was an experience of a lifetime. The Olympics is the, the biggest meet in track and field, and, um, you know, by far. And so it's the most important meet of my life to this point, and it's, I guess it would be the most important meet maybe, maybe I'll ever have. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming in as the favorite. All the pressure was on me, and it was kind of one of these things to where I... Um, yeah, I mean, if if I if I wasn't to go in there and win, then it's kind of like almost embarrassing because everybody's been talking to me about it for the past year since it you know since it got postponed and I just broke the world record and so everybody you know basically was just expecting me to go in there and win the gold and you know that's kind of tough because it's still it's still sports and anything can happen and you still have to go out there you still have to do it. Duplantis's confidence in the sport began while growing up in the U.S. state of Louisiana. He was encouraged by his father, a former pole vaulter from New Orleans and two-time state champion. As a youth, Duplantis spent many summers in his mother's native country, Sweden, and chose to represent her country at the Tokyo Olympic Games. And as Duplantis continues to compete internationally for Sweden, he says he wants to do all all that he can to elevate the sport. I want to win everything there is to win. I want to do it more times than anybody else has done it. But, uh, you know, if you, if you know pole vault, if you know the history of pole vault, that's really, really big shoes to fill when you're following the likes of Renaud Lavalini and Sergei Bubka, people that have won many, many global titles. You know, Bubka winning, I think, six or seven more championship titles. I feel like I still have a really long way to go and a lot of things left for me to achieve. And so... Uh, no, it's, a, it's a really good start right now to my journey, but I think there's still a lot for me to go out there and do. American hurdler and sprinter Sydney McLaughlin, who now goes by her married name, McLaughlin Levroni, has been named Female Athlete of the Year for record-breaking performances of her own in 2022. The two-time Olympic champion shattered her world record in the 400-meter hurdles four times over the past 13 months, including her gold medal finish for the world title. She first lowered her own record at 
at the Tokyo Olympic Games. And following her championship performance, McLaughlin Levroni told reporters she was able to clock her record-breaking time with the help of a very fast track. I definitely say it would, it's a fast track. Uh, you can feel the difference, you know, it being Mondo and everything. I don't know how to really describe it. A lot of people talked about the shoes, but I do think it's just one of those tracks. Uh, it gives you that energy right back and pushes you and propels you forward. The Tokyo Games marked her second Olympic appearance. She was only 17 when she made her Olympic debut at the 2016 Rio Games, where she had an impressive start but failed to reach the final. And while the star athlete said she felt no pressure leading up to the Tokyo Games, she admitted to feeling the added weight of being an elite athlete. I think there is a lot, you know, a lot of it comes from social media. A lot of it comes from just outside things that you can't control. Uh, I think it's really important to focus on the things that you can control. And uh, I think for me personally, what's really helped is my relationship with God. Uh, It's given me a perspective to deal with a lot of those emotions that the world throws at you. Um, And, you know, in terms of people who are struggling with it, I I do feel for them because this is a really hard thing to do uh, to be at this high level and have to compete with the whole world watching you so um i feel for them and i pray for them and uh you know i just hope that everybody can get to a place where they can get back to enjoying what they love to do Looking back on her achievements in the past year, McLaughlin Levroni is quoted as saying, I would describe 2022 for myself by just saying incredible. Everything that we aim to do, we were able to accomplish. And McLaughlin Levroni has said she wants to add the flat 400 meters to her program in the years to come. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And that wraps up the January 17th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.